0: Hi folks, you are listening to another episode of Healing in Doses. It's your girl Siobhan, founder of Sweet Immunity, and I'm so excited to take us on this journey into the world of herbal medicine. Like many of you, herbalism has been in my life since I was a child, and it is woven into the fabric of my family. For generations, the women in my family have sought out the power of plants to heal, support, and sustain. My earliest interactions with plants as medicine came as a child, maybe even as young as seven or eight, while other children were taking Vicks for their head colds or their chest colds, I was leaning over a steaming pot of water and eucalyptus leaves to clear and open my chest from the inside out. While other kids were taking Robitussin and Dimetab, I was taking Echinacea and Golden Seal. And as I got older, there wasn't an exam I took without some ginkgo biloba by my side. Of course, much of this I inherited from my mother. Who inherited it from her mother and my great-grandmother who was known to add sage and thyme to everything to create even greater resilience than we already had. A kitchen herbalist at her core she understood that food was medicine and that medicine was everywhere. For those of you who are new to herbal medicine this might all seem a bit wonky or it may be a bit daunting. There are thousands and thousands of plants, and I'm just talking about the US alone. We also have plants that come out of South America, out of Asia, out of Europe, out of Africa. All viable, all wonderful, all supportive in different ways. So if you are venturing on this path of herbal medicine and using the plants and their powers to support your immune system, to support your digestive system, to support your respiratory system, it can be pretty overwhelming. Which ones are the right ones? What categories are they? Does this work for anything else aside from its primary function? All of this is a lot to take in. So in this week's episode, I want to introduce everyone to not just herbs themselves, but also herbal energetics plants do have powers and their powers do have categories. So if you are venturing into this pathway of using plants as medicine, or even culinary foods, culinary herbs as medicine, it's important to know how they classify to give you some steering in terms of which herbs are right for you. So before we get started into the categories, let's get some basic herbal jargon out of the way. First and foremost, what is considered an herb? Is it the flower? Is it the root? Is it the leaf? Is it a stem? I'll give a pause for reaction. Ding, ding, ding. The answer is it's all of it. (laughs) Depending on the plant, every single piece of that plant is medicinal in some way. Depending on the plant, some forms of that plant, whether it be the root or the flower, offer slightly varying attributes uh, versus the other, right? A good example of that is dandelion. The dandelion root is extremely tonifying for the liver. It is a nutritive, supportive herb that can be used for full body detoxification, particularly with particular emphasis on the liver and the liver functions. However, if you use the dandelion flower and the weeds and the leaves and the stems and all that good stuff, you can get a nice liver detox, a nice supportive uh, herb for the liver, as well as a lovely kidney flush. It works for that too. So it all depends on the plant. Certain plants you'll only see uh, dominantly in one form. So take an herb like maca. Rarely will you ever, if ever, see something like maca flower, maca leaf, maca grass. That's not what you're going to see. You will generally see maca root because the root is where that plant derives its healing and uh, nutritive and nourishing and supportive powers on the body. Something like chamomile, right? Uh, Whether it's German chamomile or regular chamomile, you will normally see the aerial parts or the flowering parts of that plant used to make infusions or tea. Rarely will you see the chamomile root used as medicine, unless somebody is using that for tincture purposes, and they really want to get to what I call the source code of a plant, which are its seeds, which are its roots. So it all depends on the plant, but any part of that plant could be viable medicine, depending on the plant itself, the toxicity levels, because there are certain plants that have greater toxicity in one area versus the other, right? So somewhere along the line, as these plants were being studied, it was discovered that the roots are actually more toxic than the flower so to speak and therefore you see medicines only existing in one uh, form it would be that flower so that at times happens and and that's where it's up to you to do your due diligence and researching that herb uh, or listening to these episodes because i'll give some of that info out as well in terms of what plants are best used in what form but ultimately an herb as we speak of it uh, can be any part of a medicinal plant that's used as medicine also used as culinary medicine so you can cook with it but there's still medicinal properties that can be derived from the cooking process as well outside of what makes an herb we have what categories do herbs fall in so i like to separate herbs in kind of two schools of thought one is herbal function So which organs or organ systems does this herb align to, right? What's its functional responsibility, if you will? And then there are herbal actions. So I like to consider that the how. How does that plant work in the body? Herbal function is where does it work, right? What system is it most aligned to? What organ is it most most attached to or most attracted to? And secondarily, What are the actions? How does it operate in the body? Today, we are going to talk exclusively about three different herbal functions. Particularly, if an herb is a tonic, if an herb is a nervine, or if an herb is an adaptogen. Yes, we will get into adaptogens very briefly. The second part of the conversation around actions, that comes later. So when we start to talk about these different functions individually, so like a a conversation around reproductive tonics, that's when we go into the various herbs that fall into that category and each herbs action. Some herbs are cooling, some are warming. Some herbs are moistening, some are drying. Some herbs are more astringent in nature, some are spicy, some are bitter, some are more kind of loosening and, and um, mucus producing. These are actions, once ingested, what kind of action does that herb initiate in order to perform its function, which is to support a various organ or a system in the body. That's extremely important. Herbal actions are extremely important when you're thinking about how to choose an herb for yourself. Some individuals, based on their constitution, need an herb that's more warming. Some need one that's more cooling. Some Have uh, drier conditions in the body they may be suffering from a particular issue that makes them inherently drier and herbs that produce a more cooling and moistening and and kind of wet effect on the body internally is what is going to be most beneficial to that individual particularly around if i'm using reproductive issues as a as another example Many women suffer from what's known as cold or coolness in their reproductive center. So their womb is cold or their uterus is cold. That's a common um, diagnosis within Chinese medicine, even within Ayurvedic medicine, when diagnosing any reproductive issues or any fertility challenges. They talk about the womb being warm and it being a warm, vital petri dish for conception. So there may be herbs and categories that we'll talk about or others around what we're talking about that um, have a more warming effect on the body and therefore, would be most beneficial to a woman looking to get pregnant. So these are where herbal actions come into play. You might know 75 different adaptogens. That doesn't mean you should take all 75. Understanding your own personal constitution, your own needs, and the actions of herbs will help you decipher which one is the right one for you. So let's get into the big three. I chose tonics, nervines, and adaptogens for a specific purpose. Mostly, it's based on my firm belief that these are the herbal functions and categories of our times. We are living in a fast-paced, high-octane, hyperactive, stress-inducing environment. It's like each and every one of us... Are David Banner trying to suppress the Hulk in an environment designed to stress us out and bring out that Hulk from deep within our spirit? That is exactly how I look at the environment today. Because stress, things that trigger anxiety, triggers for trauma, they literally exist in all that we do, see, and experience. In a morning commute, especially if you live in any metropolitan area, you'll probably see and hear enough things to stress you out before you ever have your first cup of coffee. And it's funny on one end, but not when you think about how chronic stress impacts the body over time and how it creates an environment that is prone to disease or distress. So when I think about the herbal categories, and there are several of them, there are a lot of What I call herbal functional areas where uh, plants can be categorized and aligned because they work on a specific system or a group of systems or specific organ functions. Um, There are quite a few of these categories, but I chose these three because they can make simple yet effective impacts on individuals and and on folks who are um, looking to venture into herbal medicine, they can make simple yet effective impacts on individuals in a pretty short amount of time or in a much more sustainable amount of time right Uh, many of the herbs that i will list off are simply examples and i mean i'm going to list off a few because we'll deep dive into some of these in further episodes but ultimately the ones that i'm listing um, well researched well categorized a lot of information on the internet and this is a stepping stone to really getting into this herbal environment at your own pace and in your own time. So if there's anything that I say in this episode that you're like, oh, I wanna wanna look into that, I wanna start taking that, I wanna integrate that into my diet, uh, I'm using herbs that are readily available, that you can pick up from a farmer's market, from a local Whole Foods, probably in a vitamin shop, uh, but they are available, accessible for use um, with strong brands and strong suppliers behind them. And so think about the herbs that I list out in that way if, again, you are venturing into this life for the first time. I will also put this caveat out. Anytime you are looking at building your herbal medicine repertoire and usage, the first thing you need to do is consult your physician. Many individuals are on medications for various different uh, ailments and conditions that are contraindicated for herbs. Herbs are powerful medicine. Just because it comes out of the ground doesn't mean it doesn't pack a punch. And a lot of them reduce the effectiveness or exacerbate the side effects of medications that you may be taking today. So if you're introducing herbs into your life for the first time or trying out a a really new one um, that you're not too sure about, do your research, talk to your physician, make sure it's safe and okay. Lastly, special note to my mamas out there. So for those of you who are expecting, first off, congratulations. Second off, do not try any of these herbs without talking to your doctor. Unfortunately, Plant medicine doesn't have a lot of safe herbs to use during pregnancy. There's really a small collection of plants that are, and of course, many that probably haven't been discovered yet, but for the ones that have been discovered, there's a small amount of them that are actually good to use while you are pregnant. The reason is is that many of them, as tonics, as nervines, as even adaptogens, a good portion of them are actually... um, They actually promote either menstruation or they promote um, contraction of the uterine walls, which is something you do not want during your pregnancy before you are ready. So with that said, please consult with your doctor before beginning any herbal regimen using any of the examples um, that I lay out today because it's all about keeping you and your baby very, very safe. Good. So now that I've had my warnings, Let's go ahead and talk about the first group within this trifecta of stress-relieving, management, and supportive herbs for our time, the tonics. So tonics are dope because they have the ability to support, nourish, and Feed a particular organ or system. That's essentially what they do. Anytime you hear an herb categorized as a tonic, it is short for this herb tonifies, strengthens, feeds, and nourishes a particular organ or system. It has the right combination of minerals, the right combination of vitamins, the right combination of compounds and flavonoids and tannins and volatile oils that... For a particular organ in question or a system in question is like, yay, yeah, 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 yummy, 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 give me more of that, right? So we have a few of those that I can list out for particular organs or functions. Again, we're talking functionally. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's the right one for you to use because we still have herbal actions attached to these herbs as well. Some common tonics that fall into this category would be an herb I've mentioned before, dandelion. Dandelion is a notable liver tonic. It nourishes it, it feeds it, it supports proper cell regeneration. It supports the liver's ability to detoxify the body, to remove uh, xenoestrogens, to remove toxic metals and waste. Dandelion is really the liver and gallbladder's best friend. It helps with that synergistic relationship, supports the function of the liver as a, as a soul organ, and the overall elimination system as a whole. Dandelion also has an effect on the urinary system, helps your kidneys flush, and it be all good to go. Again, dandelion has the right type of composition that really speaks to the liver as, as, an, um, as an isolated organ. Now, does that mean that dandelion doesn't benefit other parts of the body? No, but its primary function on the liver is what makes it a notable liver tonic first and foremost with other secondary and tertiary actions in between. The same can be said for red raspberry leaf, which is a uterine tonic specifically geared towards tonifying, strengthening, nourishing, supporting the tissues of the uterine wall, and really the entire female reproductive system it is sweet it is great for um, mitigating pms systems uh, hormonal and hormonal regularity when it comes to your menstrual cycle um, and just nourishing the womb overall again doesn't mean that red raspberry red raspberry has uh, some of the highest uh, mineral content and vitamin content of many herbs however it has specific actions on the uterus that are the most notable and um the most beneficial to women in that capacity one other tonic that i'm going to throw out there uh, is oats right oat straw and or milky oats or oat tops this is a nervine tonic we will talk about nervines as its own category but oats are a tonic so we eat oatmeal right and so those ripened oats That we get as a breakfast cereal are very different than the other components of the plant, which are the milky oats. So, the oats before they ripe, when they're just in their milky bulbs. And then there's the oat straw, which is everything else pieces of the milky oats, the stem, the leaf, the rest of the aerial parts of the plant. And taken regularly, milky oats in particular, right? So, those oat tops. Those are a Nervine tonic. They support the nervous system as a whole. They wrap it around with comfy blankets. They hug it. And they ensure that that stress response, that that parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous system is responding to stress in an efficient and adequate way. We're not underdoing it and we're not overdoing it. Right. Milky Oats uh, helps with stress management, anxiety mitigation, um, mild forms of depression taken over time. It really strengthens the um, resilient capacity of the nervous system by feeding it all the good nourishment and coating that it needs. It's also what they call uh, a demulcent, which means that it has a kind of gelatinous and and, and milky and mucousy uh, kind of coating, which is which is nice when you think about the organ functions that are too dry or the internal system of the body is too dry. Milky Oats provides that nourishing coating similar to oatmeal and how kind of warm and cushiony we feel. Think about that same action and that same energy around your nerves um, and your synapses. It's just nice. It's just wonderful. So when we think about really coating, nourishing, and supporting um, your nervous system, we think about something like milky oats. So those are just three examples. Red raspberry leaf as a uterine tonic, dandelion as a liver tonic, and as a nervous system tonic, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, Milky oat tops or just oat tops if you're doing your research. All tonics, tonics because they nourish, they feed, they support, they cushion, and they ensure optimal and efficient productivity of these, or of these particular organs and their function. So while tonics are supplying nourishment to an organ or a whole system, uh, there's also a secondary and tertiary effect on the entire system too with tonics. If we take that a bit further and we look directly at nervines, nervines support the entire elusive aspect of the nervous system. And so, nervines include really three functional areas. You have your nervine tonics, we spoke about one already the milky oat tops. We also have nervine relaxants. And lastly, we have nervine stimulants. So unlike a lot of the other categories we'll speak about, nervines have really three different types of core functions within that. So a nervine is going to attack the nervous system in some way, in what way is it going to do that? Is it going to tonify, is it going to relax, or is it going to stimulate, right? So depending on what you need, you're going to pick an herb that falls into one or more of those categories. From a tonifying standpoint, again, think about the feeding, nourishing, uh, remineralizing, vitamin-inducing attributes of that plant. We're looking at uh, Nervine tonics like oats. Uh, Some individuals would put hops into that too as a Nervine tonic. Uh, Even St. John's wort can fall into a Nervine tonic space. Uh, St. John's wort is really controversial for the fact that it interacts with quite a few pharmaceutical drugs on the spectrum so again just because it comes from the ground don't mean that it does not pack a punch as it relates to any prescription drugs that you're taking today so although it sounds all nice and flowery st john's word nerve tonic real cute we can have really adverse effects if we don't speak to our physicians before utilizing that herb however it does fall into the Nervine tonic category. Again, strengthening your nervous system so that when you are in a fight or flight response, when you are at a point of stress and you're combating stress, that you are able to vacillate between those responses in an efficient and adequate manner. You're not in excess, you're not in deficiency, you are balanced the way through. You have a proper response, for a proper stimulus, and then you're back to your equilibrium. And that's really what Nervine tonics do. Relaxants are what I call the reactive stage. So let's say your nervous system's kind of out of whack and you don't handle stress well, in layman's terms. The relaxants can help in those acute times when you need something to calm you down. So maybe you're not, you're not on the Nervine tonics right now, you're just kind of living life and you need something for a given moment in time to really help you calm down, get focused, and again, reset that nervous system response. Mm. A lot of common herbs fall into this category. Chamomile falls into this category. <clears throat> Excuse me. Lavender falls into this category lemon balm falls into this category. And those three, lavender, lemon balm, chamomile, those three, many would consider, uh, even though they're they're pretty potent and powerful herbs, especially lemon balm, they would be on the kind of the lighter end of the spectrum, on the milder end of the spectrum. On the more potent and powerful, almost almost a sedative, almost a psychedelic part of the spectrum would be an herb known as kava, kava 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 similar to maca comes in its root form it is um popular and uh, its origin is within the fijian islands or the islands of fiji and it is used predominantly by indigenous people as a ceremonial beverage because it enables the body to relax it is an antispasmodic, so it, it enables the body to really calm down and reach a deep state of relaxation that opens the mind and opens the heart. Woo, woo, woo. However, in high dosage, it can actually damage the liver and be quite toxic. So it's not an herb to play with. It's not, it's not for play, it's not for games. You use it in the lowest possible dosage, and that low dosage will normally give you what you need. It is sold in the US, so it's not a crime to have it, but it is one of those herbs that you need to be very, 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 very careful with. Um, Not something that can be taken lightly, not something that should be taken without the guidance of the physician, because again, unlike your average, you know, chamomile tea, this herb is really, really strong. So you have to be um, careful with using this particular plant. But ultimately, these are the relaxants. And again, you have to think of them as a post-event tool. Uh, They're a post-event medicine. So chamomile is great uh, just as as a regular tea if you just want to always be mellow. I like to always be mellow. But it is extremely effective after you have gone through a period of stress or an acute moment of stress and you need to bring down the energy and you need to ground yourself. That's when you start smelling some lavender or drinking lavender tea, getting you a cup of chamomile, getting you, some, getting you a lemon balm tincture. That's when you really start looking at your relaxants because they're there as a reactive step towards bringing you back to, um, back to the ground. And the last category of nervines are your nerve on stimulants. And so, yes, at times you may need to rev up your nervous system. Um, there is a thing like um, being lethargic, uh, being, um, being kind of reclusive and, and isolated and not having a delayed reaction to stimulus because you're not face with it all the time. So when you need to kind of get yourself revved up, you need to pull yourself out of that hole, here are your stimulants. The most popular nervine stimulant of all time is coffee. Coffee is an herb if you didn't know that. It is an herb and it's actually a very powerful herb that we simply misuse and overuse with every single time we buy coffee or if you're me, every single time I buy a cold brew, I am overutilizing uh, the herb, co- the herb coffee. I'm overutilizing that bean, um, like it's nobody's business. But um, it has become a very social, very common drink, a part of definitely part of our culture in many ways. But it is a medicinal plant It has the ability to stimulate or aggravate the nervous system, which is why you have that incredible high with that venti latte and then that incredible. Low when you hit about one to two o'clock in the afternoon when you had that coffee at like 9 a.m. So, that whole high of the high and then that drop that's very common with any sort of nervine stimulant, especially when we use it so recklessly and recreationally as we do something like coffee. Similarly to the relaxants, it's used in an acute stage when you need to get yourself revved up and it's there for that moment in time. So as opposed to getting ahead of stress, uh, or excuse me, fixing uh, or, or helping to mitigate a stressful issue with a relaxant, you're getting ahead of that stress with a stimulant and getting your body revved up and excited for a moment in time. So use it with the same level of care. Um, another stimulant that falls into that category is cola. That's another herb that falls into that category. Um, these Nervine stimulants definitely have to take them with the same caution you would a relaxant. Because at high dosage, on either side, it can result in toxicity. So you want to be sure that you are using the lowest possible dosage of your nervines, And of course, talking to your doctor. Because you got to stay safe. Always and in always. And last, but certainly not least are my adaptogens. I love adaptogens. I really do. I think they are the bomb.com. I think they are the medicine of the moment. They are the herb of our times. I'm going to get real poetic and Shakespearean in a second, but I think they are amazing. Here's why. Adaptogens are essentially the bulletproof vests for yourselves. They are the precursor to the need for a Nervine tonic. They are the precursor to even the need for a tonic in and of itself. Because what adaptogens do is they amplify the body's resilience against emotional, physical, mental stress. How do they do that? They strengthen multiple organ systems at one time. It is common for an adaptogen to be a immunomodulator. Meaning they modulate and regulate the immune system, for it to be a, for it to be liver supporting, kidney supporting, um, uh, reproductive enhancing, endurance and um, vitality boosting, as well as a relaxant and a nerveine tonic all at the same time. An adaptogen really encompasses the wholeness of what it means to to have full well-being, right? It's the it's a classification for a particular set of herbs that are focused on long-term sustainable well-being. And I call them the bulletproof vests because they they ultimately after with long-term use, they extend the body's resistance to stress. Not just its resilience, but its resistance to stress. So when you are confronted with a triggering or stressful situation, you may see a lot of anxiety happening around you, but you, for some reason, happen to be unaffected. And it doesn't make you numb. It doesn't take away your emotions or your empathy. What it does is ensure that you are in the right state of mind. Uh, at all times, right? Now, for some of you listening to this, that might feel like a really, really tall order. But when you look deeper at adaptogens that fall into this category, whether it be through their actions, whether it is through um, their constituents, so are they warming or cooling or drying? Are they antiviral, antifungal, antispasmodic, anti, um, um a medic, uh, there's several, I mean, there's a, a, just a plethora of lists that an adaptogen falls into, right? It's common for this classification of herb to sit in many different functions. So again, it could be a nutritive, it can be a tonic, it can be a nervine, it might also be a demulcent, it may also be an alterative. Like so it sits in several different categories because it impacts several parts of the body. So imagine having that all encompassing kind of herbal support that once ingested is essentially going to the parts of your being that need the most support and supplying the nourishment there. It's not just a um, adaptogenic in and of itself. It, it gets its name from its ability to adapt to your needs once ingested. So an herb that can adjust depending on your physical needs internally, that also lends its, itself to this adaptogenic category. And I say it's the, the again, the herb from our, for our times because, or, or the herbal category for our times, because stress is not uh, coming from a single source these days. So if you think about the physiological response that our bodies uh, produce when we are confronted with any mental or emotional stress, and you think about how that serves and and can serve as the precursor for many chronic diseases and illnesses, it's no wonder why we as a societal group need an all-encompassing herb for the times when stress just happens. And that happening is something we may or may not be able to control. I'm going to do a longer segment on adaptogens because again, I think they're extremely important and there are so many of them. Adaptogens are, is the category where herbal actions really make sense. And they're really important to know because some of these herbs may be more warming, more cooling, more moistening, and that will affect its ability to do all of these amazing things within your body. So it's really important to know, again, who you are, your constitution, and what herb is going to be the most effective because it is going to be the herb that your body absorbs the most nutrients from, the most um, uh, herbal actions from, and it's going to make the most sense for you and your body herbs that fall into this category include uh, the ever popular these days ashwagandha which is an herb out of india a staple in ayurvedic medicine people cook with it they use it as medicine it's all over the place it's a thing we also have an herb that i am just falling in love with every single day shijan Ruberi, which is an herb um, out of the chinese medicine list of primary herbs and this plant is what they call the five flavor berry. So all tastes, it's bitter, it's sweet, it's sour, it's pungent, and from a Chinese medicine perspective, that represents its ability to work on multiple organ systems, as each organ and organ system reflects a different kind of taste in the body, right? So if you're into Chinese medicine, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And um, Shijan Riberi really, again, all around, all encompassing herb, uh, particular effects on endurance, vitality, beauty. It helps to flush the liver, the kidneys. Uh, It also increases libido and supports proper hormonal function for pregnancy. Uh, It's also known to hold in, uh, from a sexual perspective, it's known to hold in liquids to ensure that Uh, When liquids are needed, they are produced in ample supply. Take that as you will. Now, also on this category, we have maca. Maca root is also popular for strength libido. It comes out of South America, uh, particularly in and around Peru. And this herb is a root, and it is also known for... Uh, the ability to enhance libido, enhance endurance, vitality, overall wellness and health, strength, right? So making people physically strong, helping to um, uh, support uh, uh, muscular function and development, um, as well as restoring passion in the bedroom. You'll notice that a lot of uh, um, adaptogens, because of their ability to be Uh, stimulating and and for for endurance and vitality also have positive effects on sex, also have positive effects on reproduction. And we'll talk more about why that is. And uh, again, which herbs are better for men and for women in those categories, because they do uh, change depending on the gender and whether you are more estrogen dominant or more testosterone dominant. So that is is another part of it too, um, and lastly, popular ones that people probably didn't even think were adaptogens are all of the ginsengs. So if you use American ginseng, uh, Asian or Chinese ginseng, Korean ginseng, the ginsengs also fall into the adaptogenic category, not only for energy, but vital mental function, clearing brain fog, ensuring nervous system support, ensuring um, immuno support as well, and fighting against disease, ginseng is the bomb.com. And it's one that as a Western culture, we've taken a lot. We have, you know, stereotypes around why ginseng is great, but it also falls into that life-sustaining adaptogenic category. So when we look at these herbs, these three categories your tonics, your nervines, your adaptogens. They have a common theme. Make the body stronger. Make the mind stronger. So if the emotions are not as strong, or the heart is not as strong, the body and the mind will be able to withstand it. They share that by feeding organs, by strengthening them, and by protecting them against these stressors. They enable us to operate in a changing, ever-growing, ever-hectic, ever-chaotic, whether you consider that good or bad, it enables us to manage and work within this world. So these three groups, you'll see there's a lot of overlap when we really get into them. Again, a lot of adaptogens are tonics and nervines, so it's like a three-for-one. Some nervines are also tonics, so that's like a two-for-one. Some tonics happen to be adaptogenic, so they all are cross-functional in that way. And the more you learn about the ones specific to you and your constitution, the more savvy you'll get at picking out the right formulas and the right herbs for you. But the big three, the herbs of our times, tonics, nervines, and adaptogens, all for the good of our being. So my darlings, let's recap. We talked about the introduction of herbalism into my life and possibly into yours. We talked about what an herb was, the difference between functions and actions and why that's important to know. We also talked about precautions and why it's important for you to check with your doctor, especially if you're pregnant, around introducing herbs into your life for the first time or even some of these herbs that you're trying out for the first time. If you are looking for any deeper dive into your constitution, what herbs work right for you, I highly, highly, highly recommend going to see a licensed, trained, clinically trained uh, doctor or practitioner in Chinese medicine, doctor or practitioner in Ayurvedic medicine. Um, Those schools of thought are extremely similar. And so that deep dive diagnosis into your constitution and the herbs for you, they'll be able to guide you in that way. Again, whatever they recommend for you, ensure that you consult your physician to uh, make sure you're safe um, and you can use the best and the best of plants. And lastly, we talked about the three major categories that are really coming to the forefront in this new, uh, in this modern age that we have, tonics to support us, uh, neuro- nerve nervines to protect, and strengthen and adaptogens to secure and build greater resistance over time. I will be doing some subsequent episodes on various different herbal groups, Again, we'll talk a lot about uh, male and female sexuality using herbal medicine, male and female fertility. Uh, We'll talk about, uh, we'll talk way more about adaptogens as each one of the ones that I spoke about have different herbal actions. So, which one works for you? We'll talk about each one of them in a little bit more in depth and why they work and where that work is happening in the body. Um, But for the most part, you have the the big three that's really seeing we're really seeing these categories fly off the shelves really seeing people um look towards uh these particular medicines tonics Nervines, adaptogens for support. And the one thing I need to leave you all with is that I only mentioned a few. There are a slew of herbs that fall into each one of these categories. So I suggest you get to know these plants, not just the ones that I mentioned, but also the ones that you find in your herbal search on the internet because I know you go into the internet. Find out all that you know and get in touch with these categories because they really come in handy During these moments of stress, anxiety, Managing um, issues like mild depression, and if you work successfully with your doctor, you may be able to find the support, uh, the right support to complement whatever you are currently using to manage these issues. If you're simply like me, looking to guard and strengthen against the silent stressors that happen every single day, uh, and adaptogens are your friend. Um, this is an area of focus coming up in many conversations around health and well-being because. It it involves long-term um, sustainable uh, resistance and resilience so I advise you look even more into that if you can't wait for my episode to pop up but it is coming very very soon when we talk more about the adaptogens and why they matter and why they matter to certain communities and how adaptogens can really help us in healing various types of stress even stress that is more ancestral in nature so think about that in all of our conversations, this is probably um, the most fun topic for me, so I'm excited to do more and to chat with you all. As always, if you want to connect with me on Anchor, leave me a voice message, send me a message message. If you're on any of the other podcast stations, feel free to leave a comment or navigate to my website and send me a message there, www sweetimmunity.com. This podcast will be up there, but there's definitely a contact page for you to get in touch with me directly if you have any questions on plant magic, sky magic, and all that good stuff. Right? As always, my darlings, continue to be patient with the universe as the universe continues to be patient with you. Bye-bye, my darlings.